Podcast for the 24th of January 2023. Uh, I don't know how long this show is going to go. Certainly don't know how much energy it's going to have. I, I woke up this morning, digestive issues. Maybe everything going around got me. I don't know yet. I haven't puked. I have uh, other digestive issues, but we shall see. And so I'm just drinking water and see how that works out. But it feels like somebody punched me in the stomach. A about an hour ago. So we'll see. We'll see how long I last. We'll see how well this goes. Um, this is not the one we'll be submitting. The show will be submitting for Emmy consideration. But in any event, I do appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend and all that stuff. Please go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter, not locals.com. Support the show, get in the contests, get the extra programs and uh, things like that. All right, let's get this started before it gets too late. Lots of stuff going on. There's a, a bunch of things in the news today. Our, it, they keep finding documents. They honestly keep finding documents. We'll get into that with Joe Biden. There was a mass shooting out in California that uh, by tomorrow you probably won't hear anything about because it turns out they were all wildly excited. Ooh, boy, howdy. It looks like we got ourselves another evil gun-toting white guy. Oh, no, wait, he's Asian. It was Stop Asian Hate. It became the trend. All of these people on social media, politicians, activists, were all immediately snapping to attention, going, this is, uh, this is what you get with Republicans. Republicans refuse to do anything about guns. And then these evil white guys go around and do this. It's a hate crime and blah, 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 blah. It's a Chinese New Year. Hate crime, hate crime, hate crime. And then it turns out that it was an Asian guy who was uh, reportedly dead now, luckily, thankfully. But he was an Asian guy who was, at least according to what I've seen so far, and take it for what it's worth this early in an investigation, but it had to do with jealousy as a husband. Shot and killed 10 people. Monster. A monster. The left was beside themselves with morbid glee about, ooh, we get to do it. And I, I'm trying to pull up these tweets from these various politicians out there and activists out in California talking about how it is Republicans won't do anything about guns. It's Republicans' fault what happened there. I can tell you this about California's gun laws, not living in California, but you know, knowing a thing or two about California, that there really isn't a left-wing Democrat law on restricting guns that isn't the law of the land in California. It isn't already. The politicians in the rest of the country, the Democratic politicians in the rest of the country go, oh, we want our gun laws to be like California. Joe Biden is essentially advocating for gun laws on the federal level to be like California, which you would think would mean that California would be the the shining example of what they want, right? And now you would think, that, hey, this is what we want. This is where we, we, if only we could be more like California and then something like this happens in California and you, unless you're a liberal, you have the thought of, hey, uh, maybe people willing to murder somebody, which, you know, in the hierarchy ranking of laws to break gets right up there. Maybe people willing to murder 
are not all that interested in obeying gun laws. Maybe they wouldn't really, because I can think of probably about 50 things that this killer did that were against the law, not just murder, especially in violation of California's gun laws. I don't think he cared all that much. I don't think the criminal willing to murder really gives a damn whether or not they violate the state's jaywalking rules or they double park or they uh, speed or whatever. Call me crazy. I just don't think that's going to be. But what's funny is you've got these. I found this tweet this morning and it is. um, It is uh, chef's kiss. Beautiful. It's a guy named uh, Tony De La Rosa. And right there, he has his uh, pronouns, not only in his, oh, he doesn't, does he have them in his bio? No, he doesn't have them in his bio, he has them in his Twitter name. And he writes, the way white people want to comment and uh, dismiss Asians uh, and demand and demean that the Asian shooter was Asian, he's a very poor writer. That Asians, that the shooter in Montgomery Park was Asian. Instead of check on how we are doing, is perverse and desperate. It's also a defense mechanism of white supremacy. See, yesterday during the day when the shooting had just occurred and they didn't know anything, it was as a white supremacist. This is obviously white supremacy. A white supremacist did this. Turns out it was an Asian guy. And so now the pointing that out is white supremacy. You can't win with these people. You can't win. They, they change the rules. They have no principles. They have no decency, honestly. This guy lists himself as an activist and, of course, a Ph.D. student because, of course, he's a Ph.D. student, and I'm sure that he's lined up to get his student debt forgiven, paid for by us. But I love this. Well, it's uh, white supremacists killed Asians. Oh, no, wait, it was an Asian guy. It's white supremacy not to care in uh, whatever way we demand you care. It's white supremacy to point out that the killer was Asian. I think if you're accused of murder you didn't do and you're cleared of the murder you didn't do, this is on an individual basis, but it applies to groups. If you're accused of murder that you didn't do and then you're cleared of that murder... You can kind of say, uh, there's the guy that did it, right? You accused me of doing it. You had a description of a guy who was four foot three and, uh, you know, it was Hervé Villachez or something, and you arrested me at six foot five. Are you insane? You got, couldn't have gotten this more wrong. I think it's okay to point that out. It's not some sort of anti little person hate crime. Go, well, you clearly hate uh, aviation and uh, little people, or little people in aviation, or the two together. It's insane what these people do. And like I say, this story will now go away. This story will now go away because it is no longer useful. Ten people killed. You could look into why it is this guy did it. You could at least continue to report on the tragedy the way they would if it lined up with the racial element. The guy's dead, so there's not going to be a whole lot of new reporting or anything on it. But it will just go away. It doesn't matter. Those lives mattered for a good 24 hours. Then they found out that the killer was of the wrong configuration of human beings, and suddenly those lives didn't matter anymore. This is what I'm talking about when I say that the left is full of just 
really, really sick people. So we'll shift it here for a second because just imagine this. All these documents that have been found. How many documents have been found? We don't know. What was the subject of these documents? We don't know. And what's amazing about all these classified documents that Joe Biden threw around his houses and offices willy-nilly is that we have no, there's no curiosity in the media. There's no speculation in the media of what these documents pertained to. It's amazing. Donald Trump classified documents. They speculate on how many documents there were. Oh, there's a picture. Look at all these folders. Well, those folders don't necessarily have anything in them. They're just folders. Well, it doesn't matter. Look at all those folders. It's problematic. Okay. What's the subject? We don't know what the subject is. But it probably had something to do with nuclear codes. And they might have been trying to sell nuclear codes to Vladimir Putin or to somebody else. Like, what are you basing that on? I'm basing it on a fever dream I had last night and uh, wish fulfillment. You know, Oprah says with the uh, the wish or whatever the hell that thing was that Oprah did. Right? Like, if you insisted, if you visualize it long enough, you can be it. It's weird how that works out for people worth billions of dollars. Works out with people with billions of dollars really, really well. Because what you do is you sit there and you, you tell your staff, hey, I'm going to go visualize that I uh, have an Austin, Aston Martin, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really focus on that. And one of them will go, well, let's take her Amex, her black Amex card, and uh, go buy a, an Aston Martin on it and then problem solved. And she goes, oh, see, look, if you visualize it, it happens. For normal people... Uh, probably a little bit tougher to do that, but if Oprah says it, it's true. (laughs) I don't like Oprah. I really don't like Oprah. Anyway, so they keep finding documents on Joe Biden's properties, and nobody, yeah, they care. To the extent that they do care, though, if you notice, the media only cares in how it makes Joe Biden look bad and how it makes them look bad. This is their guy. This is their team. It's like finding out that your team captain is all juiced up on steroids. And you're like, wait a second. I put a lot of money into uh, your posters and your jerseys and everything. You're, you know, you're, you're roiding up. You make us look stupid. You better find a good excuse for uh, this negative or this positive drug test. You need to come up with, you better come up with something because you're making us look bad. That's really why the media is upset, to the extent that they are upset. There are still very many uh, excuse makers out there. CNN, just the other day, now this was one, maybe two discoveries ago of a cache of documents, was saying it's just it's fewer than 10 documents. It's not that big of a deal. Okay, fewer than 10 documents. Now, what could fewer than 10? This is, again, it's inoperative now. But what could fewer than 10 documents mean? It could be nine documents. By the way, the law does not allow you to mishandle a certain number of classified materials. And then once you get over this number of classified materials, it becomes problematic. That's not how it works. One mishandled document will get you into trouble if you're a normal human being, not a protected member of the Democratic Party. But if it's nine documents, how many pages are those documents? Well, what do you mean? Well, if I've written many, many papers in my life. 
And, you know, I got to write it. Some papers were one page long. Some papers were two pages long. Some papers were, I think, up to 40 pages long. Probably even longer than that. That would be one document. It is one entire document. It just happens. A document is not the number of pages. It is the content of it. So don't be fooled. When you listen to these people talk about their language and use their language, it's the same sort of manipulation that I talk about in every other aspect of what these people do is absolutely 100% applicable here. So they say, well, it's just a very limited number of documents. How many pages is it? Not that that really matters in the grand scheme of things, but you do need to know how many pages, and you do need to know the content, the subject matter, not necessarily the content. They're not going to give you the content, although the content certainly should be declassified as it was uh, compromised by Joe Biden. But you, uh, you need to know these things, the subject matter, if not the content, so you can see how it's relevant. Look, if it's, well, we were uh, thinking about moving a missile silo in the middle of nowhere, Utah, to the middle of nowhere, Idaho, like, and we didn't, that would be classified. And you go, well, that must have just been in the mix. But if it is not only relevant to a country where the Biden family was making millions of dollars, but relevant to industries in that country, where the Biden family was making millions of dollars. Well, that becomes a, a different story altogether, does it not? You have to wonder why at the end of his term as vice president, why was Joe Biden going neck deep into classified documents? So much so that when they hurriedly, as we've been told, packed up his office, that there were classified materials laying around it. Why would that be? You're on the way out. You're the vice president on top of it. Just there are some questions and some questions that will never be asked because they don't want you to know. The people who will ask the questions are not going to be anywhere near anybody who could answer the questions. And the few people who are put out there to answer the questions are uh, unwilling and or incapable of doing it. I believe that Corinne Jean-Pierre, as historic as she is, is kept in the dark. I believe that she is not at all informed about what's going on in this White House. They do not have her in briefings. A good press secretary will be in on not every meeting, but certainly the meetings that are relevant, that are you know, lower to mid-level meetings that uh, are going to be a major part of the news of the day. That's what you do. You have to be in there so you know what the hell they're talking about, so you know when you can answer a question. Instead, they have replaced her attendance, her, her uh, inclusion in those briefings. They've replaced that with a script. Here's your binder. Go out there and dance for them. It's a sad commentary on Corinne Jean-Pierre as a person that she goes, okay, well, I shall go dance for them. It really is. But she's been so historically bad at this job, on this issue in particular, but in the job in general, but in this issue in particular, that they've finally gone to the corner. You remember those old tag team matches from WWE where the one guy's out there, he's getting the, the hell beat out of him. And the other guy, both tag, they keep tagging on the other side of the ring. 
And so the one they always have like I don't know for some weird reason you get thirty seconds where you can cheat and have two guys in the ring because you tagged, and they're beating the hell out of him and they keep tagging and keep tagging so they can stay two in the ring and beat him up. And the other guy's like reaching across the ring, go please come over here and and do it. And now he's taking a pummeling that would normally kill an elephant. He's just beating holy hell out of him, but somehow. In the middle of being beaten within an inch of his life, he manages to headbutt both of them and wander to the other side of the ring and, and tag out. And then his his partner comes in and beats the hell out of both, throws one out of the ring, and then throws the other one down and beats him up and pins him, and they win, even though you know near death his partner was. Corinne Jean-Pierre was beaten to a bloody pulp by the press, but she was beaten to the bloody, bloody pulp by the press with basic questions non-challenging questions almost almost feel bad for her not because she's catching hell from the press but because she can't answer basic questions you sit there and you go they really don't trust her or they don't like her or she is so untalented that even if they gave her access to these things she wouldn't be able to do it and they really can't trust her to know you know the old mcdlt keep the hot side hot keep the cool side cool she wouldn't be able to discern between what the public needs to know and what the public shouldn't know meaning republicans shouldn't know and she might let something slip she might let something blurt out it's actually kind of was the model of joe business uh, joe biden's vice presidency so she was getting pummeled by the press and she managed to tag to Ian Sams. Ian Sams is a special assistant to the White House Counsel, special assistant to the President of the United States. He went on MSNBC twice yesterday. First time he's talking to Jonathan Capehart. Now, I don't know why you... It doesn't really matter who you send out to dodge a question, does it? Nobody ever goes, well, that person's full of crap. They're just dodging. They're not. And then another person comes out and says basically the same thing, and they go, ooh, what a charmer. I like the way he did that. Ian Sams is not a charming person on top of it. He's just kind of a, a bald, nerdy-looking dude, maybe maybe 135 pounds. And uh, he's just somebody else. Oh, and he's white. The Biden administration decided to switch that up. But um, he didn't have any answers either. It's like getting the hell beat out of you in the ring, you finally tag your partner, and then your partner goes in and gets the hell beaten out of him in the ring. Except it's more of a slap fight with MSNBC. Here he is with Jonathan Capehart. And so Ian, my, my question is, again, because some of these papers were found um, that are related to um, the president's tenure as vice president, and even going back to his 36 years in, in the United States Senate, a lot of people are wondering, how is that possible? There are rules in place for the handling of classified documents. So how is he in this situation? Well, I think you heard the president's lawyers speak to this exact fact, and you heard the president speak to this fact. You know, he was made aware of this by his lawyers, and I think that there's a really important distinction here. You know, he is proactively cooperating here because he takes it seriously. He wants the DOJ to conduct a thorough review. <laughs> you notice what's missing in that word salad? An answer. And how did he do this? How did this happen? Well, that's why we're looking into it. Oh, really? Because you could just seemingly ask the president why was it when you were vice president that you stole classified materials why well is it the it, it i'll tell you what the answer is there's two possible answers and there's a, actually both there's a in a venn diagram since kamala harris loves venn diagrams there's a, a genuine or a generous overlap one is 
it benefits him financially, that information in those documents. And so he just took it. They're not going to miss it. What does it matter? I can sell this or monetize it. I can let this out in drips and drabs and, and seem as though I am still informed on what's going on in various countries and in various industries. I can do that. Or he simply just doesn't care. It's probably both. He doesn't care about national security. You can tell that by the insistence. Every time he's, well, the two times he's talked about it, three times. I take this very seriously. Everybody knows I take this very seriously. You can't. That's like Alec Baldwin saying, I take on-set firearms safety very seriously. Okay, well, we have on one side of the scale your word, your insistence, and on the other side of the scale we have a dead woman. Okay, um, which way do the sales tip? You, you're telling me you insist, you know, I take this very seriously. You didn't. Because if you did the scale would not have the dead woman on the one side of it, I think. So then Ian Sams goes, is later on with, uh, I can't remember, it's a, a, she is uh, Martinez in her last name, I think. She is the son or the daughter of uh, the New Jersey Democrat senator because, of course, she is. And uh, he's, Martinez is his name. And she asks him just a basic question with a number of documents. The number of documents. Now, listen to his answer. Well, listen to his reply. You can't call it an answer. Can you give us a sense of how many classified documents we are now talking about total across all three locations? Sure. It's a good question. And, and actually, the answer to it is a little bit complicated because of this point that I'm making about the integrity of an ongoing Justice Department investigation. The Justice Department is going to be looking at all sorts of questions like that throughout their investigation. We want to be very, very careful to be respectful of the integrity of that investigation, to not speak too much about the underlying contents and materials, uh, especially things that we may not know all the answers to. <laughs> uh, 3,000, 3,000 pages, 10,000, but it doesn't matter. We don't want to ruin the integrity of it. Okay come across the crime scene, like crime scene out in Monterey Park, California. Hey, how many bodies, are, how many murders are we dealing with? Well, we don't, we could tell you that. It's obviously we could tell you that, but we don't want to, there's an investigation going on and we wouldn't want to damage the integrity of the investigation. There is no circumstance under which, at least on this planet, the number of documents that Joe Biden stole as vice president in any way, shape, or form impacts the investigation into the documents that Joe Biden stole. One is enough to get you sent to prison if you're a mere mortal. I'm not saying Joe Biden will go to prison. I'm not even suggesting you should go to prison. But I'm just telling you, if you were some low-level military guy in the Pentagon and you accidentally took home a classified document, you'd You'd need to lawyer up. You need to worry about that. You'd probably be better off destroying that document and denying you ever had it than uh, than return. Don't take my advice. Seek counsel and follow the proper protocols. But it's amazing to me how they can say, "Well, that's an interesting question." Of course, yes. Um, I'm I can answer that question. I'm not going to answer that question, but I'm going to toss a word salad and tell you that somehow the number of pages, if you knew that, would pervert or pollute the investigation can anybody out there envision a scenario under which that is remotely how it works because i sure as hell can't 
I get that the Biden administration is sitting there trying to hide the number of documents, the number of pages, the topics, and all that. That's, to a certain extent, their job. They're supposed to, yes, they uphold the law. As long as they're not breaking the law, they also have to sort of protect the president as best as possible. So you get somebody like Ian Sams out there making a fool of himself on television. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. But the people he's talking to and the people who they work with, the people he's talking to, they have a job too. It is supposed to be to get information. It is the job of, not the job of a journalist to ask a question, not get an answer, and then go back to their boss and sort of shrug and go, yeah, I tried. What are you going to do? I mean, I asked him. No, you ask again. You ask again. And then when it's clear that you aren't going to get an answer on that question, you move to the next question that you likely will not get an answer on again. And lather, rinse, repeat. Meanwhile, simultaneously, you're supposed to be cultivating sources that you might be able to circumvent the normal chain of discussion and get the information they don't want out there anyway. That's what you're supposed that's what Watergate was. That's what every great scandal that's been uncovered was. As okay, we're 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 looking elsewhere. Bill Clinton come out and says, well, I want you to listen to me. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never asked anybody to lie. Never. Not a single time. These allegations are false, and I gotta get back to work with the American people. Blah, 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 blah. And the current mood, the current crop of media would go, well, that settles that. There you go. He said they didn't do it, so he didn't do it. Whereas back then, they said, well, that doesn't really... We're, we're going to work some Justice Department officials. We're going to work some sources. We're going to get more information. And they kept getting more information, and the Clintons kept denying and denying and denying. And it wasn't until there was DNA found on Monica's dress. And the type of DNA, not like he sneezed on her, the type of DNA that would be, uh, you can't say, well, they were just close together in an elevator once, and that's how he got the DNA. No, it, it wasn't that type of DNA. They had run out of lies, and so he had to tell the truth. But they didn't run out of lies because the Clinton administration just kept, you know, it couldn't hold it in anymore. It was because reporters were digging. Journalists were digging, and not many of them. There were a lot of them who didn't care. And by the time it came around to impeachment for obstruction of justice, perjury, and subordination of perjury, most of the so-called journalists had bought into the, it's just about sex. It doesn't really matter. The Clintons had delayed for so long that public opinion had shifted based on their lies. And it was just, oh, man, it's just a private matter. Just a pri- Let them go. They're having a rough marriage. Let it go. And that immediately became the thing. It's a private matter between two consenting adults. No, it wasn't. It was the president of the United States sleeping with an intern, first of all, when it started. Secondly, it was the president of the United States pressuring that girl that he started to have an affair with as an intern, who then he got a job, patronized job, a good government job. He got her a gig. It was that president of the United States instructing her to lie, instructing her to lie under oath, instructing her to commit a felony herself. 
That's what Bill Clinton did to Monica Lewinsky. Lie under oath. Perjure yourself. He did it too. Both are illegal. The affair doesn't really matter. It was relevant to the case at hand because it was a sexual harassment case. And you can demonstrate a pattern of this sort of abusive power relationships like the President of the United States sleeping with an intern. All of that kind of stuff. It can be demonstrated. That shows a pattern. It bolsters Paula Jones's case, which is why Bill Clinton settled Paula Jones's case. Remember, they were never going to settle Paula Jones's case. Never. Paula Jones was a, one of the many bimbo eruptions that they had, and she was a liar and a fraud and a this and a that and the other thing, and then boom. He gave her like, um, I think it was 850000 That was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. For a guy who claimed he didn't have any money, he gave Paula Jones a lot of money. Now, if you really think about that, he gave a lot of money to Paula Jones at a time when everything about the Monica Lewinsky affair was known. So it wasn't like there was more to discover about the Monica Lewinsky affair had the Paula Jones case pressed forward. Makes you wonder, what else was he hiding? What else was there to discover that they didn't discover that Paula Jones's attorneys didn't get around to finding, but Bill Clinton's attorneys, and Bill Clinton in particular, were worried that they might have? By then, we had journalists no longer doing journalism. It was a private matter. Consensual sex between adults. She went from being an intern to being a government employee. But I, this is how I know she was an intern. As a low-level intern, she had access to the President of the United States. The only time that was possible was during the government shutdown in 96, I think it was, or 95, 96, no, somewhere in there. Uh, when she was delivering pizza to Bill was when she flashed her thong to him under her dress. There's no way on God's green earth in a fully staffed White House where non-essential employees were allowed to show up to work because they were being paid that a low-level intern would be sent in to give pizza to the President of the United States. But since it was only essential personnel and a good chunk of the people at the White House were not allowed to work because of the government shutdown, interns were not paid. They were allowed to show up and work since their job was essentially voluntary anyway or they were paid out of a different pool of money. Whatever it was, they were allowed to show up. That's how we know she was an intern when it started. They'll never tell you that in the media. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with these documents. And it'll be interesting to watch the media lose. Because, you know, you got two MSNBC employees sitting there asking relevant questions. Not in a certain couched in the friendliest of ways. And not pressing for either one of them. And quite content to get smoke blown up their rear ends and not get an answer. But they're at least asking semi-relevant questions. Certainly more relevant than the one reporter who's like, well, do you have any regrets about not telling the public? Like, that's, that's your question? These are more relevant than that. So I'll be curious to see how quickly this sticks around. I would have thought it would be gone by now, but then I would have thought it would be gone by now because I didn't think that they would keep discovering things. 
And now that we've learned that they haven't really even searched the house in Rehoboth Beach, I think there could be another treasure trove of documents there. What's amazing to me is the Justice Department wouldn't weigh whether or not to kick down your door. They wouldn't weigh whether or not to even ask anybody else if they could search this other thing. They would tell you, we're going in there and it's probably best for you to cooperate because otherwise it's going to be problematic. So that'll be interesting to watch. We'll see. We'll watch with keen interest. I want to shift gears since we're talking about our uh, dim-witted, dullard president of the United States. He really was, I mean, he was that way when he was vice president. We now have the same thing when he was, when Joe Biden was vice president, Barack Obama picked him. He said, I don't want anybody to outshine me in any way, shape or form. And so they, they picked, you know, let's face it, Barack Obama's uh, not my choice for president, but you know, he might be my choice for trivial pursuit partner. Maybe. Eventually, he'd certainly, you know, maybe not a first round draft pick, but eventually I'd pick him. Whereas Joe Biden, I just, he's the, he'd be the last guy picked and you'd offer a bribe to the other team to take him. Like, all right, well, I'll give you 20, I'll buy your next bucket of beer, next three bucket of beers if you just take this guy. I don't want him. Joe Biden wanted somebody like that for him. Now, that's nearly impossible to find for Joe Biden, mind you. He is, they couldn't nominate a box of rocks. No offense to rocks. So they came as close as they possibly could. They came up with Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, so wildly unpopular in the Democrat Party, so as to be an insurance program for Joe Biden to make sure that Democrats would never throw him out because they would get her. She was so unpopular, she didn't even make it to the first vote, the first caucus in Iowa. She dropped out a month before it, which is really reminiscent of Joe Biden's run in 1988. Kamala was just a horrible candidate and people did not like her. Whereas Joe got caught in scandal after scandal, lying about himself, lying about his biography, lying about his accomplishments, etc., etc. But just as Joe was eventually picked as vice president to make the president look good, Kamala was picked as vice president to make Joe Biden look good. And that brings us to uh, Kamala today. Yesterday was the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. Now, you would think it was the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, the 50th anniversary of a cure for cancer, the 50th anniversary of something that really all of humanity is better off for having. Now, you can think what you will about abortion, but you never get all of humanity to agree that it is a universal good, no matter how much you may or may not like it. But Democrats don't speak to half the country. Democrats have no interest in half the country. They have no concern for half the country. They simply don't care. They live in a world that is fake. But it's the world that they want, where we do not exist, where we do not have rights, where we do not have a say. They would love to create that world. They would. But they haven't yet. And I stress yet. So you end up where they have these little gatherings. Let's get everybody together and celebrate the 50th anniversary 
of Roe v. Wade. Like, really? This is how you're going to spend your time? This is what you're going to do? This is where they are? This is how it is? They're releasing statements? They're holding events at the White House? The president? They're releasing videos? Oh my goodness, it's a wonderful, wonderful day. And then those evil dastardly Republicans came in and and worked within the system, followed the law, and the Supreme Court did it. It wasn't Republicans that did it. Overturned Roe v. Wade, which just brought it back to the states. Well, Kamala Harris spoke at one such event. They put her out there. They put her out there for anything minority-related and women-related. It's kind of funny to watch her just be used this way. She deserves it. Couldn't happen to a nicer person. They do this to everybody on the left, and they seem to be content with it. So there you go. But Kamala Harris went on a rant about, well, I want to play this clip first, and then we'll get to the, the first two. She goes on to rant about freedom and liberty. Now, she doesn't have a clue. She doesn't understand the concepts. And to the extent that any Democrat understands it, they despise it. They want to bastardize it. They talk about collective freedom, collective liberty. That is not liberty. That is not freedom. But uh, and everything they advocate is that they want to force people to do things, whereas Republicans want to get government out of the way, by and large. But listen to Kamala rant about freedom and liberty at an abortion event yesterday. That America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. But let us ask, can we truly be free if a woman cannot make decisions about her own body? Can we truly be free if a doctor cannot care for her patients? Can we truly be free if families cannot make intimate decisions about the course of their own lives? And can we truly be free if so-called leaders claim to be, quote, I quote, on the vanguard of freedom while they dare to restrict the rights of the American people and attack the very foundations of freedom. Dear God. She's just one of the worst public speakers this species of ours has ever produced. I love how they don't know it. They don't know what a woman is. They don't know what a woman is. They can't figure that out. But when it comes to abortion, they know exactly what a woman is. And even the imaginary doctor in their world get in between a doctor and her ability to treat her patients. Oh, wait, so you're saying abortion doctors are, are women or what? Like women are abortion. How, how, how do you square that circle? How is that inclusive? Shouldn't you be using third-person, non-gender-binding pronouns or whatever? If you just pay attention to what these people are doing and what they say from one thing to another to another to another, it is so contradictory. We don't know what a woman is. A man can be a woman and men can menstruate and all this blah, 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 blah. And then like, no, you're a woman's right to choose, a woman's right to reproductive health. Suddenly they become biologists. Suddenly they become the world's foremost biologists. It's weird how that works. And then it's very, very bizarre. So we've uh, caught Kamala Harris speaking to this group on abortion. 
Then she goes on to quote Ish the Declaration of Independence. Now it's kind of important. She with Kamala Harris, you have to wonder maybe she doesn't know. Right? There's always that just like with Joe Biden. He he's senile, so he might not be aware, but he's also stupid. And he's a liar. So like which one wins on this? I don't know. Could be any of them. So we can't say for sure what the problem is and what what her issue is here, but the possibilities are uh, limit limited, but embarrassing. So in talking about uh, the dec- well, first of all, let's let's listen to her speak to this pro-abortion crowd. So we are here together because we collectively believe and know America is a promise. America is a promise. It is a promise of freedom and liberty. Not for some, but for all. She's so damn stupid. We're here collectively. Collectively, we are the board. If you do not surrender, we will destroy your ship. And America is a promise. She says it three times. America is a promise. America, America isn't a pro- It doesn't matter how many times you reiterate a stupid point. It doesn't make your stupid point smart, Kamala. America is not a promise. America is a country. America is a country founded on specific principles and governed by explicit laws. You guys despise those principles and you ignore a good chunk of those laws. It's not a promise. You don't swear a promise to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. She swore an oath to do it. So she has no idea what the hell this country is. Democrats say this all the time. It's a promise of America. This is a, blah, blah, blah. That's not who we are as a people. Joe Biden says that all the time. It's not who we are as a people. The hell do you know? Your whole life has been dealing with people who are kissing your ass. You don't know anything about what it's like, what this country really is like. You've gotten rich milking this country for all it's worth, you scumbag. But Kamala wasn't done. This is where she gets into the really low IQ part of her presentation. She tries to paraphrase, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt, she wasn't trying to quote the Declaration of Independence, but like Joe Biden, they paraphrase the documents. They don't like what the documents say, So they quote some of the documents. They talk about parts of the documents. They'll talk about a piece of a sentence here or a bit of a paragraph there or a a loose concept somewhere else. Kamala Harris is no different. Kamala Harris talks about the rights with which we are endowed. The Constitution... We are endowed by the creator of certain unalienable rights, among them are the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Endowed by our creator, life being first. Creator, life. What do you think she omits in her recitation of that general sentiment-ish? A promise we made in the Declaration of Independence. That we are each endowed with the right... To liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Be clear, 
These rights were not bestowed upon us. They belong to us as Americans. Like I said, she's so wildly stupid. She skips it. We are endowed. By whom? By what? By where? For uh, liberty and pursuit of happiness. While you're at a pro-abortion event, you can't really say you're there, uh, you're endowed by your creator. You don't want God put in there. And you can't mention life because, well, they might burn down the White House. But then she says, no, we're endowed because we're Americans. That is everything wrong with liberalism, to be perfectly honest with you. They believe that rights flow from government, whereas the Declaration of Independence makes it clear that our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are endowed to us by our Creator, by God. Right? See, if you remove God, where they have to come from somewhere. They weren't always there. And she says, we are endowed with these things because we're Americans. So therefore, she lets the cat out of the bag. We are endowed with these things by our government. By our government. Which means that our government can take them away. If government gives you something, government can take it away. What right, what, what argument do you have against that? There is no real argument against that. Government gave me the right to do X. Well, the government doesn't want you to do X anymore. You can't take away. I have a right to do X. No, no. Government gave you the right to do X. Government is taking away the right to do X. Whereas if you are endowed by your creator, meaning imbued with these things at birth, and government shall make no law, Congress shall make no law, those sorts of things, those sorts of terminologies, then it's a whole different picture. God created your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not government. But these people can't admit that. They can't accept that. They can't talk about that, especially now in the context of their ghoulish pro-abortion party at the White House or wherever the hell it was. And so she... Now, there's a good possibility, but she doesn't know this. There's a decent possibility that she has never read the Declaration of Independence. She's only ever taken staff's word for it. It's possible. It is possible. There are a lot of members of government, Congress, etc., elected officials who are incredibly lazy who don't want to read anything. You just give me the gist of it so I can go out there and pretend that I have read it. But uh, to get it this wildly wrong is what's how the left works. The declaration is inconvenient for them, so Joe Biden constantly drops the creator, as every good Catholic does. Joe Biden, being the devout Catholic that they insist to us that he is, of course he's going to have a series of events marking the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade and calling for the reinstatement, the codifying into law of Roe v. Wade. Of course, he's a devout Catholic, you really have to wonder where these people went to school, where these people, I don't know, where they learned these things or how they can do it. Because I don't believe that Kamala Harris has not read 
the Declaration of Independence, at least the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. I don't believe for a second she doesn't understand what she is omitting. She stops there. When she's saying it, she stops there. She recognizes that it's going to be awkward to everybody in the room. I think part of her is probably holding her breath, going, I'm going to catch hell for this. Hope these people in the room don't mind. Well, of course they don't mind. They're leftists. They're on the team. But um, to go along with it, to go, if you have to lie to make your case, maybe you don't have much of a case, right? Is that, are we allowed to say that? If you have to lie, if you have to omit a pretty large piece of the cornerstone of the founding, of the founding document of this country, one of the two founding documents of this country, important context, if you have to do that, do you have much of a case? I don't think you have much of a case. I really don't. While we're on the subject of abortion, the angry dwarf of the Clinton administration, Robert B. Reich. Robert Reich is one of those people like Ramsey Clark. Ramsey Clark was, uh, he was a Republican attorney general under Richard Nixon, one of them. I think it was, maybe he was under Lyndon Johnson. I don't know. He's a nut job. He's an absolute anti-American nut job. I don't think he's dead, but I think he's sort of receded from public life. But he was a really just an anti-American nut job. And he thought, well, he was the craziest, at least in modern times, the craziest cabinet official. This would be really interesting. Somebody like my friend Dean, who he should write, a, he's got a column at the New York Sun. He should write, a, he knows this stuff. He should write a the top five craziest cabinet members. Because Robert Reich would be up there. And I'd also, uh, he knows the history of it. But uh, Robert Reich is now a professor at UC Berkeley, of course, because liberals, the more radical they are, the more likely they are to get tenure. God, it's got to be nice. It's a, here's your golden parachute, sir, as you leave the White House. And, you know, if, if anybody makes any money on the right, oh, you got a book deal. This is corruption, it's corruption, it's corruption. Somebody makes a, what, the Obama's got a $50, $60 million book deal. No, 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 they deserved it. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Look, those oceanfront properties are not going to build themselves. Am I right? Am I right? Anyway, Robert Reich gets this tenured gig after being Secretary of Labor. Do you remember anything particularly wonderful about the labor market or labor laws during Bill Clinton's tenure? I remember how he... uh, violated them in terms of sexual harassment and relations with subordinates. But other than that, I don't I don't really remember them pushing for all that much back then. Anyway, now that he's a college professor, he's also got plenty of time to be a rabid left-wing activist because they go hand in hand. It might even be a, a prerequisite if you're going to teach out at UC Berkeley because I highly doubt that uh, Robert Reich's car has been overturned and set on fire. He's probably been able to sleep soundly on a pile of money, by the way, because he's a fabulously wealthy man. But he has been able to sleep on a pile of money because uh, he doesn't have to worry about the mob coming after him. I'm looking it up. Net worth is $5 million, according to the Internet, between 4 and $5 million. He is a communist. 
He's not even a socialist. He is a full-blown communist. Despises capitalism now that it's made him a ton of money. All these people. Who, this is what is one of the things about the left that drives me nuts. They'll climb up a ladder, complain about how it's impossible to climb up that ladder, and then pull that ladder up making sure that nobody else can come up. Their policies pull that ladder up, making sure that nobody else can climb up that ladder. You're like, what the hell? How did you manage to climb up that ladder? Well, I'm different. Elizabeth Warren, this country is fundamentally racist and misogynistic. Barack Obama, this country is fundamentally racist and misogynistic. Well, how'd you guys end up being fabulously wealthy? It came from relatively modest means. Now you're like some of the richest people in the country. How'd you manage that? How'd you manage it? Well, we're special. That seems they never asked the question. The country's fundamentally created and designed to keep people who look like you down. How'd you buck the system? Well, I'm special. That that they wouldn't come right out and say it, but there'd be some semblance of that without saying it. Robert Reich hates this country and has made a fortune off of it. And now he's busy burning down and pulling up the ladder. Because he is obsessed with abortion, just like every other Democrat out there, he put out a video to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade and the, what, the 50 million dead abortions, whatever. And um, he makes an argument that is something to behold. His, the gist of his argument is it's better to be dead than poor. And honestly, it's better that children are aborted than be born poor. That seems to be what his argument is. Listen to here in this first clip. Abortion bans are not pro-life. They're pro-poverty and pro-inequality. I'll tell you what we can do about it in a moment, but first let me explain how these bans worsen inequalities. You've probably heard of the two abortion cases making their way through the courts, but it's not just Texas and Mississippi's new bans. For years, Republican state lawmakers, almost entirely white men, have been chipping away at reproductive freedom, enacting laws that lead to clinic closures, force people to travel hundreds of miles for abortions, and create near insurmountable barriers for low-income people, especially people of color. Now make no mistake, bans like those in Texas and Mississippi won't stop abortions. Wealthier people will always have access, but millions of low-income people will be forced to give birth, with dire consequences for both parent and child. They'll be forced to give birth. And oh, it'll hit poor people, especially people of color. Why? Why? Well, because they're the way you calculate, they're disproportionately number of uh, poor people are of color. Okay, so you little white savior complex. Is that what you're you're saying? You're, you're better dead than poor. Better dead than poor. It's a hell of an argument to make. And it's always, especially, especially communities of color. Especially. Especially. How about all the money that uh, Planned Parenthood... Look, Planned Parenthood gets hundreds of millions of dollars from the federal government. Um, the left donates hundreds of millions more to Planned Parenthood. Now, what's, what are they really fighting for? 
They're really fighting for taxpayer-funded abortion. That's what they want. Now, if they took all the money that they get already and the money they raise and the money they don't give and said, hey, we're not going to get this federal money anymore, but if you give us the money, we can, I don't know, abort the hell out of babies left and right in the liberal states that uh, allow abortion, and with your help giving us money, we can fly people, poor people, from wherever they are where abortion is banned to a state where it isn't and have it done. If they really cared all that much, but they don't. They're really What they're really fighting for is that crack at the government money. Because, oh, they raise hundreds of millions of dollars. They get, it's compared to what the government spends on abortion, directly and indirectly, and what they're capable of spending and what they want, and they want the government to spend it on all of it, and pay for all of them is nothing. It's just tons and tons and tons and tons of money. That's what they're doing. You say, well, they spent $10 million on lobbying. That's insane until you realize they got a billion-dollar government contract. If I told you, you give me $10 million and I'll give you a billion-dollar contract, you would find a way to come up with $10 million. That's what these people are really trying to do. It's all about money. It really has nothing to do with abortion. They don't give a damn. So to sit there, oh, it's uh, it's just horrible. Here's an idea, Bob. If you live in a state where there are restrictions on abortion, and we don't, I live here in Maryland, but if you live in a state where there are restrictions in abortions, like, hey, four months, make up your mind, poop or get off the pot, Maybe, or a state where there is no abortion, where it's banned completely. Maybe, just maybe, spend some of that money providing birth control, contraception, to people. Or looking at the people who you essentially are saying, because that's what you're doing here. You're saying they're too damned stupid to know how to avoid getting pregnant. I tell you this, if anybody, you explain to them, how somebody gets pregnant. And I promise you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how to avoid getting pregnant. Now, are there circumstances extenuating? Of course. But 99.9% of the time, it is a voluntary act with two wildly irresponsible people thinking they would get away with it. And knowing that it doesn't really matter if we hop on this rickety plane, we've got the parachute of abortion in there. Well, if you can't afford an abortion, you and if that's what your choice is, if that's your priority, then maybe you should afford a condom or maybe you should afford the pill or all the other options out there. That's never discussed with these people. The prospect of people being responsible for their actions in any way, shape, or form is never discussed with these people. It's almost impossible. Now, it's the same mentality, though. You heard it in, in Bobby's a little bit right there, especially black people, especially black people. It's the same mentality everywhere. People, black, look, people can't get a photo ID to vote, to be able to vote, especially black people. What do you mean especially black? Look, do we just know? You leftists, somehow they, they know these black people who are completely and totally incapable of taking care of themselves, yet they're civically minded and engaged enough that they want to vote in every election. <laughs> I don't know who that person is. Like, I, 
I can't get to a place to get a driver's license. I just want to sit here and get drunk all day, every day. I don't even care. But wait, when is that primary vote coming up? When is the general election? I've got to make sure I go do that. Can't be bothered to go get a driver's license for free. But I will absolutely make sure that I vote because it's my civic duty as they urinate and defecate on the sidewalk. I don't, I don't think that's very many human beings. But Bobby wasn't done. He still goes off with his abortion restrictions hitting black people the hardest. And in a way, he's right. Because the vast majority of babies aborted in this country are black. Like half of uh, pregnancies of black women in New York City, for example. I think it was half. Might even be up to 70%. And in abortion. So in that sense, I guess they do get hit hardest. ...off from a low-wage job can mean sacrificing groceries, electricity, or gas. These restrictions worsen inequality and have lifelong effects. One study found that being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy to term makes it nearly four times more likely that parent and child will live below the poverty line. Parents are also less likely to have full-time work and more likely to have public assistance four years later. Decades of research confirmed that abortion access improves education, employment, and earnings. And the differences are especially large for black people. (laughs) The differences are especially large for black people. Well, Bobby Reich, we've had 50 years of unfettered abortion under Roe v. Wade. That would mean that we'd have 50 years of unfettered data showing just how gangbusters the economics in black communities and black cities are doing, right? Yet that doesn't really show. Is your argument that things would be even worse in Baltimore were it not for the hundreds of thousands of abortions that have taken place over the last 50 years? Is that, I'd be hard-pressed to I'd ask you how. And that'd be a really interesting question. How would things be worse? Because given the number of abortions, particularly since Planned Parenthood conveniently locates their offices largely in black neighborhoods, hoping to get that money, you would think that those neighborhoods would be really on the up-and-coming swing, right? Wouldn't you? It's weird that they're not. It's weird that Chicago's south side, I bet there are more abortion clinics than there are employment offices, placement offices. I'd just be willing to bet you that that's the left's priority. You got more of those on the south side of Chicago. Then shouldn't the south side of Chicago just maybe they don't want to open up businesses in the south side of Chicago, but surely the people who live there travel on the... uh, the elevated train, the L over there, to other places. They have good-paying jobs because of all these abortions have led to higher education, higher-paying jobs, etc. You just heard the former labor secretary right there. Statistics tell you you're going to believe. What are you going to believe? These statistics or your lying eyes? What are you going to do? Believe common sense over what I'm saying here? Nothing these people say upon the most basic of scrutiny ever, ever holds up. But they don't get the most basic of scrutiny. 
not in amongst their liberal friends, not amongst the legacy media at all. So Robert Reich can go out there and yes, a few of us will say things on Twitter about the BS that he's spewing, but he'll never see it. It'll never impact him. And even if it does and he gets embarrassed a little bit, he'll have to comfort himself in the fact that he's probably getting paid mid six figures a year to teach a course at UC Berkeley, living in a really nice house. And if somebody dares challenge him in any way, shape, or form, if any conservative student gets a little too uppity, he can just fail them. Don't think he's above it. Now talk about a Napoleon complex right there. That's Bobby Reich. In the uh, limited time we have left, I want to play you a clip from a Democratic congresswoman. She is not just any Democratic congresswoman. She is the minority whip in the House of Representatives. She is the number two Democrat in the House of Representatives. Her name is Catherine Clark. Catherine Clark, her daughter was arrested in, uh, well, right here, Politico, Boston. House Democratic whip Catherine Clark's daughter has been charged with assault after an altercation with police officer, police officer who was trying to arrest her for allegedly spray-painting anti-cop messages on the Boston Commons bandstand. Ridley Dowell, why they have different names, you can figure out for yourself. Ridley Dowell, 23, was spotted defacing the bandstand with No Cop City and ACAB, All Cops Are Bastards. During a protest Saturday night, Dowell is non-binary and was identified in a press a police press release Sunday by her birth name while she was being arrested police said she uh, said roughly 20 protesters began to surround officers yelling profanities and disrupting traffic during that time an officer was hit in the face and could be seen bleeding from the nose and mouth Clark is the second ranking Democrat acknowledged uh, the incident in a tweet Sunday that quickly went viral quote Last night, my daughter, I thought your daughter, I thought this child was non-binary. What are you doing using a dead gender? My daughter was arrested in Boston, Massachusetts. I love Riley, and this is a very difficult time in the cycle of joy and pain in parenting. This will be elevated by the legal, evaluated by the legal system. I am confident in the process. Now let's get in the Wayback Machine, because not that long ago, Catherine Clark was on, uh, I think it was Meet the Press, talking about how her kids wake up screaming about climate change. Cold sweat. But they've also given us a model to become our own leaders. And let me tell you what it means to, to me coming in as a different generation. I remember my middle child waking up with nightmares over concern around climate change. Oh, no, I wake up and, oh, man, it's just terrible. Wake up with climate. See, this is what happens when you pollute the minds of your children. You see the mug shot of good old Riley Dowell. Good old Riley Dowell. You begin to wonder where things went wrong. It is, um, let's just say there are face piercings and things all over the place. 
And is anybody really surprised that the ears are stretched out a little bit? Is anybody really surprised that this is what Democrats, especially people who rise to the level of leadership in the Democratic Party, this is what they raise? I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, that's enough for today. I'm going to crawl into bed. Hope you're doing better than me. Hopefully be back to do it again tomorrow, but only time will tell. Appreciate the good thoughts.